If I were to show you my process, I probably spend 30% of my time just planning. So just spitballing, brainstorming. That means no computer, no apps, no software. Just me, a piece of paper, and planning out. Planning out every other move. Planning out every other move. Who's involved here? Who's involved there? How does that impact the financial? And then figuring out who am I going to delegate it to? Welcome to Think Business with Tyler, sharing our methods and strategies for success. Join in on our conversations with business owners as we highlight their triumphs and detail how they overcame the challenges they faced while continuing to grow and scale their business. It's time to think life, think success, and think business with your host, Tyler Martin. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. Our guest today is Alex Oliveira. Alex is the master of lead generation with over 25 million leads created for clients. He's also a podcast host of the highly successful Dadpreneur. In our show today, we dig deep on some topics that can help you grow a business that you always dreamed about. Here's what we talk about. The number one asset of your business, which is key to scaling a business. Alex shares a surprising tip to improve your confidence and the one thing you need to get clarity on to really understand your purpose and fire up your passion. This is another jam-packed episode filled with strategy and tips. So let's get started and talk with Alex now. Hey, Alex, thanks so much for being on the Think Business with Tyler podcast show. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's almost the weekend, so... That it is. That is. I'm excited to have you. We've got some really fun stuff to talk about today. I always love to start out with a little bit about your story, like what got you here in terms of what you're doing now and what got you here today. Yeah, sure. So my family and I, we were originally from Brazil, but I was really raised, came here when I was about 11 years old to the US from Brazil. So really raised here in Florida, went to school in Florida, been here for like 30 plus years. And, uh, you know, look, my story is really like every other immigrant family that comes here for a better life. And that my parents did, you know, they delivered on that. They gave us, you know, the opportunity to get a better education. They built a multi-million dollar business themselves, which I later took over right as I came out of college. And, um, yeah, we've got great stories like that throughout the family, both in Brazil and here, but I also saw lots of failures. So early on, I knew I was like, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And luckily, when I went to college and, and found my wife, who would later be my wife, Erin, she got into the business right with me as well. And we've been at it for now 16 years in multiple businesses. And we have four kids and we homeschool the kids. I mean, it's a life that like I could have never dreamt of because you know it's one of those things that you're like, oh, I think I'm going to do this. And then you go in a different direction, but you end up somewhere where you're like, wow, this is amazing. So we're very, we, we feel very fortunate, lucky. Yeah, that's really cool. Now, given that you've come from a family that's an entrepreneurial family, I'll say, did you learn, like, is it, is it like when you have family that's all into their own businesses, it's like, oh man, I have to have my own business. Did, what was your takeaway from that? I mean, was that like, you have to have your own business or, or can you answer that question? Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good question because that's how I saw it growing up that, if you really want to have control of your life and freedom to whether it's make money or do whatever you want with life, you must have your own business. But often at the expense of so many failures, you know, and I said this to my wife early on, I'm like, listen, I've got family members that have succeeded, others that 
are still trying to get there, which is a very normal for like any entrepreneur. You know, some some journeys take forever to get there. So I'm not saying to people that they shouldn't do it, but I was afraid, honestly, early on, especially in like my mid twenties. Like, told my wife, well, if I fail enough times, then I think I just will go build a career, get a nice five. I know I'd be management or something like that. <laughs> but I hope that, that that it doesn't happen that way. I hope that I'm able to be a successful entrepreneur. In my first 10 years, I, I did it well, built a couple multi-million dollar companies, but I crashed them both for multiple reasons. And yeah, it definitely gave me some pause there for a while. Like, wow, I'm buying into this. You must have your own business to have your freedom and build wealth. But now I kind of went to the top and down to the bottom. What do I do next? Yeah. I'm so fascinated and, and even to some degree jealous when people come from an entrepreneurial family. You know, when I grew up, my dad, great provider, but my whole family worked for someone, provided for their family. And really, that's all we knew. And so when I was coming out of college, it's like the thought of starting your own business. There was no one in my family that knew anything about that or how to do that. And even when I did start my own business, I the family was kind of like, "Hey, that's you're crazy. Why would you do that? You're, you know, you've got this cush job making great money with benefits. Why would you ever want to go start a business?" And so there was a lot of res- resistance and and pushback. So I'm always a little bit jealous when I hear a story like yours where you just keep persevering and it's just the way of life. I do have a question. So you mentioned you built two successful businesses and then you kind of crashed and burned them. Can you go into each one? Like what what caused in your mind, like what did you learn from those, you know, failures, if you will? I hate even calling them failures, but those learning experiences. <laughs> That's what they were, right? Learning experiences. Yeah. Very expensive learning experience. I could have gotten like a PhD in, in business. But um, no, I mean, look, the biggest lesson for me was over leveraged. Mm. And, and I'm talking specifically finance. Employees was good. We had great products. Both companies were growing, growing. Marketing wasn't a problem, right? Sales, like all the different pillars were like working great. My problem was I was over leveraged, too many credit lines. And one could take that as a case study and say, well, Alex, 2008, 2009 hit. Hey, but no, it's just the fact that I was over leveraged and I took too many big risks. And if I had just focused on the on the main company, which was a remodeling company, and which was the one that was the cash cow that had been around the longest, I could have made it out of that recession. No problem. But I chose to invest in other ventures. And when the time came where you actually needed cash to get through this uh, very horrible crisis, there's nothing there. You know, it was kind of like, okay, that now sales is going to slow down across every business line, line of business. What do you do? You know, the banks are not going to lend you money. You know the story of 08, 09. And again, had I been more disciplined with cash flow and listened to my CPA and bookkeeper and listened to my wife actually at that time, because she'd say, oh my God, we're, we're flipping these homes, buying these million dollar homes and we're making money. But what if it stops? And it did. So that was the lesson just to like focus if you have something that is growing, I think of like the trees in my backyard, Tyler. I have all these trees and I have these aspirations for like having mango trees and guava trees and banana trees. But I just decided I'm going to focus on my mango tree that I planted four years ago. And this is the first year it's going to actually give us some fruit. And I think that <laughs> there's a metaphor there that I can always reach back to 2008 and nine that I always feel that way, that if I go in too many directions, which is something that every entrepreneur struggles with. You know, right. we, we're all like, 
yeah, I could do it. New idea. I woke up with a new idea. Let's go. Okay, calm down. It's just an idea, you know? Yeah. That's, I think, the fatal flaw with entrepreneurs and business owners, myself included. You know, it's the pro and the con. The pro is we're aggressive. We like to try things. We get good ideas. Sometimes they're horrible. Sometimes they're good. It just depends on the, the week, I guess. But it can be it can be fatal and it also can be very successful. And I think that focus is what my takeaway from what you just said is having that focus. Would you even call it a hyper-focus? Are you more hyper-focused now in your one business or do you? is it just more of a calculated focus, would you say? Yeah, calculated. That's okay. such a good distinction between the two there. And I think it comes down to my wife and I were talking about this the other day, you know, and just reflecting on all the years, the different ventures that I went into. And and I said, you know, it's funny because you always gave me room because she's in the businesses. She's been in the businesses in different capacities. But every time I come back with a new investment opportunity, like even recently, I went down to Brazil. My grand, grandpa had passed away at the age of 97. And when I was down there... sorry. Oh, thank you. And when I was down there, you know, had family, everybody, and spent a few weeks and a business opportunity popped up, uh, uh, real estate. And I call her, I said, hey, there's a really great opportunity. We're going to move forward with this. So how do you feel? You know, I let me lay out the business case. And she's like, sounds good. Like, I know how you are. Like when you, when these days, this is what she says, these days, when you come to me with like a, a very certain proposition, it's very calculated, not, not hyper-focused. It's not going to take my focus away from my main sort of moving vehicles, but it's calculated in that, look, this fits into the big picture, into the ecosystem, and the risks are A, B, and C, and it's not going to disrupt the main vehicle moving should this not work. Yeah. She's like, but I do know that for every one of those calculated sort of ideas, there's like 10 other ones that I'll, I'll start talking about it with her. Like, listen, I just met this guy who has a startup He's looking for investors. And I, I really took to the company. She, and she, I could tell she just stays quiet. She's like, okay, mm -hmm, sounds nice. And like, she's like, then you just won't talk about it anymore. So I just give you the room and the space to feel like that freedom of like, you know, shiny object. But I know not to move in that direction anywhere near as often as I used to, Tyler. Yeah. You need a cooling period, a cooling off period, right? Where... <laughs> <laughs> if the idea is still the with me, yeah, if the idea is still with me 72 hours from now, then maybe it has some legs. If not, you've forgotten about it, hopefully at that That's point. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Move on. Yeah, cool. So, hey, I want to just step back. We were talking about having a couple businesses that you did a great job of building, which is hard to do. And then unfortunately, they didn't succeed. One of my questions is related to when your business went out, you, you had a humbling experience. I believe you had to go back into the workforce. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And humbling it was, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you do? It wasn't... Listen, I guess it wasn't so painful, Tyler, because the truth is two things happen simultaneously. A, I've got multiple businesses that have come to a stop, a millions of dollars in debt, credit lines, whatnot, go from like 30 employees to nothing. And we lose our first child in 2019 at birth. So it was a stillbirth. Sorry. Sorry. Thank you. And these two things happened simultaneously where had it not been for that tragedy, I know we would have kept like, like spinning our wheels in the business, right? Like, let's just keep trying, keep trying. But the moment that happened, uh, Tyler, uh, both for myself and my wife, it was done. There's like no emotional attachment. Great. I've spent 30,000 hours to build these businesses. And I know I have employees, I have customers, I have vendors. It doesn't matter anymore. I 
found myself going into meetings and just checking out. And we both looked at each other and we said, look, we have no business in in a leadership capacity and we have no passion for this business anymore. So we need to get right mentally. And so we shut down the business, sold the commercial side, which was great. We had built a nice book of business in the construction side. We were able to do that, take that money, pay vendors, whatnot. We thankfully never filed for bankruptcy. That was a big thing for us. We're like, we're going to push against this and really try not to do it. And, and we did that. But then when we came back from taking a month break, we drove from Florida all the way out west and everywhere in between. We came back and said, so what do we do now? Okay, so let's you know talk to the landlord, break the lease, sell the equipment, forklifts, trucks, and let's just figure out what's next. And we did. And the best option for us, we had toyed with the idea of a franchise or something else. And I, we both kept going back to like, I don't want that responsibility right now. I've done it for 10 years. I know what it's like. So I think I'm going to get a job. And I think I'll, I'll be very, you know, I'll be a great employee. Uh, management is what I'm looking for because of any pay was going to be too small to build back the mess that we were in. Right. But that's what I did. You know, and I went and worked for Home Depot, corporate, and we worked with a bunch of installation companies throughout the uh, South Florida area. And it was great because I got to see what, obviously in a, in a big corporation, how they work. I had never had that experience seeing those processes. And I mean, way too much red tape, right? To get anything done. I mean, I have all these great ideas and they're like, calm down. No, no, no. Bunch of meetings, just listening to people 10 levels above me tell me that, yeah, that's cute, but we're not going to do that. So it was humbling, but frustrating at times. And I you know, always try to shoot through the moon, but they really brought me in because they wanted to increase their VOC. The voice of customer was pretty big for Home Depot at that time. And we, as a small company had an amazing VOC. We just, our net promoter score was always through the roof, lifetime value. We really understood how to take care of clients, but also how to bring in the leads and whatnot. So I enjoyed it. But at the end of that contract, it was like, what do we do now? And I said, I'm ready. I'm ready. And by that time, we had had our second son, uh, Luca, who today is 12 years old. And so everything from there, we started Predict, which was the lead gen company. And we've been in business 12 years. So I love to ask guests this. So you've scaled multiple companies now. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned leadership. And I have a, a methodology that I follow. It's called the scale and five method. And it's, it's a, a methodology in how you scale a company. And one of the, the methodologies is leadership. I'm curious... What do you consider when it comes to scaling a business? Like, what's the most challenging part that you've found in being able to scale? Does something stand out? Yeah, I think the thing that stands out for me always is people. Yeah. It's every time I've scaled a line of business, right now I'm actually doing that with a new line of business that we're launching in Brazil. If I don't have the right people, it just, it, it doesn't matter. I can fund it right. I can have the right technology, the right leads. But if you don't have the right, it, it doesn't have to have the right people like the whole group, especially if it's a new line of business. As long as I have one really you know, great person, a great, a great example, actually, Tyler, is, which I'm sure you'll hear this, uh, Jacob, my podcast manager. Uh-huh. Jacob's been with me now close to a year. Yeah, it was last summer. Amazing young man. Amazing. Just like everything that you want in, in, in someone who is young and energetic and they're coming in and they try new things. He has the, you know, the best soft skills that you're looking for, great communication. So I would credit him 
a good portion of our success in our podcast and choosing the right guest and me coming to the right podcast like yours, it's him. That's very cool. Right? And it's me communicating that to him. So for every business owner out there listening, whether you're trying to scale or you're starting a new venture, pay close attention to the people. I mean, it can't, you can't overstate it enough. I mean, I, I can go back to my 2008, 2009 and say that the big problem there was not people, was finances, as I mentioned. I learned how to make that better and make that systematic. Yeah. I can't say that I've found the secret sauce to talent acquisition. Sometimes it's just timing. Yep, yep. Do you think though, because uh, you're a process guy, you're kind of like me, you could mitigate to some degree the people. You always want strong people, of course, and you're not always going to be able to hire superstars, but don't you think you can de-emphasize a little bit if someone's not a superstar, but maybe by having good processes and systems? Oh, absolutely. I had a call yesterday, Tyler, with a nonprofit. And this was just so, sort of our give back in the community. We do a lot of uh, consulting and strategy at Pro Bono. Yeah, wow. So for nonprofits who are listening out there, reach out to us. We love to do this. But this particular nonprofit... I just opened the Tyler Martin nonprofit agency. It's uh, <laughs> I just opened it for free service. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> there, there you go. <laughs> But I love, you know, we love working with nonprofits because they need the help, you know, and I sit on multiple boards, have for a decade. And with this particular nonprofit, they, they're talking about bringing in a marketing person. I said, well, let's walk through the process. How do you hire for it? Because every position is not the same hiring process. So let's go through this. Boom, boom, boom. And I'm walking her through it. I'm saying, look, you could use this app, Test Gorilla. Anybody who's looking for a, this sort of assessment platform, this one is great, Test Gorilla. You probably spend about $20 per employee, but you give them these short 10, 12 minute assessments on key components of that particular job. So for like digital marketing, that person needs to have you know good written skills, right? Writing skills. They have to have good communication skills, SEO, social media. I mean, there's a, a you know, you know, eight, nine different areas of digital marketing if that's what they're going to be doing. And I said, so you walk them through each one. So now you know what the assessment, these are very average questions. So you add to your process. But then when you go do that first 15 minute interview, you give them situational questions, right? So let's go to my website right now. Here's what we're doing for social media strategy. How would you do it differently? See, a, a good marketer is going to be able to solve that problem for you in real time, at least give you a handful of quick strategies right there on the spot. And then you take a step back and you say, now let me add to that process. Maybe I ask you the potential candidate, oh, hey, Tyler, what I need you to do is send me a video, five-minute video or two-minute video of yourself telling us why you want to work for us and how you're going to solve our problems. But I need you to put that video into Dropbox, not YouTube. See, I didn't say YouTube. Again, following instructions. Then I need you to send it here. Then I need to... I start to create this whole process. And the people who follow that process they're going to make it to the, the last round of applications. And like you said, it's not a bulletproof, but I'm telling you, it really shows who's paying attention and it'll save me a bunch of headaches at the end. Yeah, that's a good one. That's great input. So I want to segue. You have a book. If you build it, will they come? It's a great book. I read it. Good job. I want to talk a little bit about, in the book, you talk about I'm trying not to call it work-life balance, but essentially having good life and balance is what I'll say. Talk a little bit about that. Like, what, Why is life and balance important to you? I mean, there's some obvious reasons there, but you have some real personal reasons too that I think are just great. 
I do. I mean, for for us, since 2016, I took the company where we had about 40 employees in an office to go fully virtual in 2016. Wow. Which obviously when COVID hit, it was like, yes, we've got this down. But it took a few years to get there. I wasn't a big believer in remote work. I just wasn't. Even myself, I wasn't a big believer and struggled with working from home with four kids for quite a while. And so once we did that, it was like, okay, now I... I've got a whole team around the world working virtually. Okay, step two, what if we moved away from Southward? It was very busy, 7 million people move into this you know, small community here in the, it's called the Space Coast, right? Where they launched rockets near uh, Kennedy Space Center. So if we move there, we're in a small community, slow pace, we can homeschool the kids, buy an RV, get on the road and have that freedom. Because I wasn't finding that balance. I got to be honest with you. I mean, as the company was scaling in from 2011, 12, 13, oh, it was great, but I, I was feeling like I can see that the, the more I scale, the less time I'm going to have with my family. And perhaps that's not the case for every entrepreneur. I know other business owners who are not operational, they're absent, and maybe they're really flush with, with, with cash, so they don't have to go in. But even if I had billions of dollars, uh, Tyler, I'm the guy, I want to be there. Right. So it wouldn't work for me, right? So anyway, so we move up here and life slows down dramatically. And now we're able to see things clearly and say, oh, wow, we can build wealth, have a lot of fun, spend a lot of time with the kids, with one another, get in the RV and just have this great life that we dreamt of, but never really thought it was possible. Always we're kind of like, that would be cool if we could do that. We'd be like digital nomads. But now we've been doing it for four years and it it's worked for us. And I think as a family and as, of course, my wife and I are partners, it just makes it easy to, to do all the things that we want to in life without breaking the, the family apart and sending everybody every day in different directions. And then kind of at the end of the day or on the weekends coming back and going, well, how was your week? What did you do? So for us, it's work. Now, I know other people who've gone down that road and say, man, that's crazy. I did not like it. I hated it. And I said, look, to each their own. But for us, it's worked. If you're a business owner feeling stuck in your business, overwhelmed, responsible for everything that happens and working long hours, Tyler helps his clients develop processes, hire high-performing team members, and better understand their financial metrics and numbers to allow for a more predictable, less hands-on business. To schedule a free, no-pressure consultation, head to thinktyler.com and click the meeting button. Tyler would love to see if he can help you work on your business, not in your business. Schedule a consultation today at thinktyler.com. Think life, think success, think business. So for us, it's work. Now, I know other people who've gone down that road and say, man, that's crazy. I did not like it. I hated it. And I said, look, to each their own. But for us, it's worked. Yeah. And to me, like you, you bring up a great point, like freedom has a different meaning for everyone. Like some people, it is a digital nomad. It might be, you know, Bali, spending your life in Bali or whatever. For other people, it might mean just doing in their business what they really enjoy doing and not getting so caught up in minutiae, not having to be tied to a desk 80 hours a week. So I like that you kind of qualified what your freedom is. What would be your advice? Because this is the biggest thing when I personally talk with business owners, is that they're trying to reach that freedom point, whatever their definition of it is. What would you say to people in the audience that are trying to get to that freedom point? What do they need to do to get there, like in your mind, or what should they do? Yeah, I think you need to be clear on 
really your why, like what you want out of life. I mean, are you really doing what you want to do? Because I, I definitely have been in 2016 is a perfect example. Hey, you've got this company is growing. It's 2 million in revenue at that point. That was just one business line, our main one, the lead gen system we built. And I've got 40 employees. What's wrong, Alex? Right? Like, what's wrong with you? Just keep keep growing. Well, there's so much that was wrong. I didn't really have a why. It was like, okay, it's it's a company, it's growing, but I, am I really passionate about it? I wasn't. Mm. And so as soon as I got clear, and as a matter of fact, at that time, Tyler. I hired a business coach. It was my second, no, third time hiring a business coach from like 2000 until that time. And he gave me such clarity. So to all the business coaches out there, man, you guys do such a great job. Not all the coaches I'm sure are, are, are like, but anyways, the one that I work with, uh, Jason, he really helped me clarify my why and not be afraid of making these big, uncomfortable changes. Wait a minute, you're going to slow down the business and sell a couple of lines of business so that you can this doesn't make any sense, but it, it made sense for me. So I think it's like focusing on what you and your family, what you guys want. And like you said, coming up with that definition of freedom, whatever it is. So for us, it was like, we want to travel a lot. And by a lot, I mean like at least once a month, go wow. away for like a week. And is it easy? No, it's not easy because you know when we're working, we're working hard. So is it for everyone? No. But I think, yeah, that's, that's it. Just be clear on what you want why you're doing it. Obviously, money talks. So you got to be really good with your money, have really good people on your team, whether it's your CPA, your your bookkeepers, your financial advisors. I spend quite a bit of time planning. So if you look, if I were to show you my process, I probably spend 30% of my time just planning. So just spitballing, brainstorming. That means no computer, no apps, no software, just me, a piece of paper and planning out, planning out every other move, planning out every other move. Who's involved here? Who's involved there? How does that impact the financial? And then figuring out who am I going to delegate it to, which I probably spent maybe like 1% of my time planning back in the days. So for me, it's worked out very well to do it. I was going to ask you that. Have you always been like that? Or is that something that you've learned is an effective approach? Because it's an awesome approach. You're really your time being spent predominant time on planning is just awesome. Like, what a great way to like look ahead. Yeah. I mean, I think I used to fancy myself a, oh, a very great, great planner because <laughs> of course in December, I'd go out and buy that planner and look at the next year in quarters. Okay. Quarterly, these are my big goals, personal business. And I do a mind map and all this other stuff. And, and I'd feel really good about it and have a VA or an assistant help me to you know manage meetings. And that was it. But I maybe spent like one hour a week, if that, saying what's going to happen next week and the week after, and how do I reprioritize things? Because I, I feel like it's a little bit like marketing and, and accounting in that you constantly have to optimize, optimize. So if you're in that time that you're planning, if you're looking at what is happening, how was my sales performance last week, last month? How does that compare to going into next week, next month? And then how does that compare to the plan that we set out to do. I definitely did not used to spend that much time doing this reflection back and forth, back and forth. And I do feel like it's a lot like chess in that you're, you have to take your time, be patient. And even when you think you've looked at every like, you know, little area, just spend a little bit more time looking at it. And sometimes you might find a, a nugget there that's going to help you save time, you know? And I think it's a lot like, like um, really investing 
in general. Like if you're a full-time venture capital, I mean, that's, that's what those guys do all day, right? They're trying to make sure they make the right moves. Yeah. So I want to switch gears. 24 million leads, I think you've said you've been responsible for. Is that correct under your clients? That is correct. And it's funny because our website is 23 million. I was getting on my team about it. I said, you know, you know that we're up to 24 million. We need to update that on the website. I thought it updated automatically, but it doesn't. So 24 million leads. Yeah. I think you need to round to 25 and then you don't have to worry about it for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a lot of leads. It's a lot of leads. Yeah. The number is impressive, but and it's a system that we built. Some marketers out there may or may not know. It's built on an affiliate marketing platform that uses a an auction base. So it's a lot like Google and Facebook. All the digital ad platforms work the same way. It's an auction-based uh, system. So our system is the same way. It's just called the ping post system. A lot of marketers out there who do digital will know what the ping post is. And again, we built that with a team in the Philippines back in 2013. And that's really what skyrocketed our sort of growth in working with companies in the automotive, financial, healthcare, legal, and many other spaces. And so for us, it's if you have sales teams, we can help you. If you don't have sales teams, I can't really help you because it's not about content, social media, SEO. It's more like bottom of the funnel and then being able to drive those leads to your, your teams. Yeah. And what I like about your book is your book actually was a little bit more broad. It talks about landing pages, talks about yes. content marketing. In fact, it gives a whole uh, uh, key elements of a successful journey and it lists all the different components around driving business, lead generation, marketing. What would you say to business owners that do have a sales team, or maybe they're even considering a sales team? What are some steps that they should be doing in, in the lead generation world and potentially where you fit in that? Or even if you don't fit in that, what would you recommend if they're, it's a little premature before they'd use a company like yours? Sure. I mean, that's a great question. Any company, if you're trying to scale or improve your process, maybe you're losing sales and you're saying it's COVID, it's um, my competitors have a bigger budget, so they're advertising online and I don't have a budget, whatever the case is, what I would press you on is to look at your current customers. So look at your current customers and map out the different journeys for each persona. So if you have different lines of business or different products and services, clearly the journeys are going to be slightly different. There's no way they're the same. If, if they're the same, that's your first problem. <laughs> you know, like literally if you're selling product A and B and you're like, yep, everybody goes through the same process because that's how we do it. I don't care. Well, no, no. product B might need to be sold, you know, digitally, meaning the whole, the whole journey from start to finish the transaction from an signing a, a document online to payment might need to happen online versus product A may need to be a product where you, you say, let me get with you on the phone customer. And then you make your payment with me on the phone. It's not one size fits all. So first look at your journey, your different customers, personas, and then move on to your website. Set aside social media and all the other plat like channels, but just focus on your website. It's fair to say, anyone listening here, that anytime you need anything could be a you know, a air conditioning repair, a dentist for your kid, a lawyer, a doctor, whatever you need, you turn to your smartphone. Like everyone, nobody's turning anywhere else. It's your smartphone. And almost everyone that you ask, they're going to tell you they start on a search engine. They don't start on social media. Of course, social media companies would like to tell you that. No, of course they do, but they don't. They don't. 
you know, if you happen to be on social media, maybe you ask for a recommendation or you look at their reviews, but really you start with a search. And that's kind of where it starts because if people can find your website, then the next question is great, they found you. What happens on your website? Is the phone number on the header? I would say probably like 70% of the websites I come into contact with, scrolling up and down, navigating, trying to look for the phone number. And all I want to do is just call you. Why are you making it so hard for me to call you? So if you're a business owner, even if you don't have a sales team, but you're saying sales are a bit, a bit stale and you have some traffic to your website, but then I go to your website and I have a hard time finding the phone number, start there, fix that. Put that in people's like, like in the forefront. Then creating those landing pages, Tyler. Landing page is like the flyer, the converting mechanism tool for you to get leads. So even if, you, if you're not going to build a sales team, but you're saying, I want to spend some money on advertising, you better have landing pages. Landing pages is very simple to understand. No navigation buttons, certainly no social media navigation buttons on the header. It's just your logo, a headline, a form. If, if you're e-commerce, it's not going to be a form. It's going to be the product add to cart, right? But the idea with the landing page is the messaging is about that product, that service, and I want it to convert, nothing else. And then you're going to have a little bit of copy, some trust factors, maybe some testimonials, but that's it. It's not busy. It's not your homepage. It's not your about us page or your, even your product pages. So make sure you got that landing page ready and then follow, follow the journey. So for anyone listening here, I would, I would ask that you put yourself through that process and then to make it more unbiased, ask a, a colleague, a peer, a friend, a family member to go through the same process and say, hey, why don't you secret shop our company? So go through the whole process and tell me what you liked, what you didn't like. Oh, well, that's weird. Somebody's going to come back and tell you that actually your website took like 20 seconds to load. So I left. I just saved you a bunch of money right there. You have a problem with speed. Why would you spend any money on advertising if you haven't even fixed all the issues? And a website and a landing page, Tyler, is no different than a, than a brick and mortar store. If I went into a brick and mortar and the door wasn't opening or the light was broken, there's all these different components. They all have to be perfect. We've all been in malls and stores. Everything has to be perfect in order for the sale to convert. Your website is no different. Everything has to be 100% or me or you, we're not going to be patient enough. I'm trying to like fill out the form or even something as simple as a contact us page. How often I see Tyler, people say, well, I'm not generating enough leads on my website. I go to their, their landing page or contact page. They're asking for first name, last name, and email. And I said, so you want to call people back, but your form doesn't even ask for a phone number. And not only not ask, it needs to require a phone number. And I'll go a step further, Tyler. Validation software. You can get validation plugged in, integrated to your website so that it, in real time, the email and the phone number that the user is entering in is validated. Is it Mickey Mouse or is it real? That's going to save you a bunch of time so you know which leads are bots and not important and which leads are real. And then you know who to send it to. So these are just like some of the tips. But obviously, I mean, tracking is also important, analytics. And those are just a few of the things that you're going to find in the book that we've done for 15 years to generate leads for all those, those businesses. They, they're all available to any company out there. That's the beauty of it. We're living in a time where a lot of the tools available, Tyler, 
even going back 15 years, would have cost tens and thousands. So take advantage of it as a business owner. It's crazy. Do you think companies generally have more of a problem with it's the actual lead generation part or the nurturing or all of the above? Like where is that disconnect typically? Yes. That's such a good question. Honestly, that's the most important question maybe here today. You're right. If you have a great product, great service, even great customer experience, everything is running okay. Your website is running great. You have landing pages, but then your nurturing of those leads are not so hot. And let's let's, uh, really break the two in, in A and B. So on one side, you're saying, look, my customers, I have a great customer experience. If they buy though, if they buy. And you say, my lifetime value is strong. People come back, they refer people. I'm like, so that's great. We're saying that you can sell a product to the people that actually convert. What about the people who don't convert? This is where a lot of companies fail and leave money on the table. You know, Take the automotive industry, for example. It's been a pretty solid stat for about 15 years, time and time again, every year when they come out with it. More than 50% of new car shoppers don't buy a car for at least 90 days from the day they start shopping. So if you don't have a nurturing process, well, 50% of your leads will never convert into a sale. Okay. And I'll, I'll give you a, a very recent example of a, a pretty large law firm that we brought on. When we took them on as an account, they used to nurture leads, Tyler, for 10 days, 10, that's it. Leads come in through the call center. They've got all these intake people. 10 days. They chased them for 10 days in the funnel with automation of email and SMS and phone calls. And I said, so what you're telling me is that's that's like the amount of love that you're willing to give a prospect. Is it fair to say that people have a life and things happen? And even though they've entered into that journey with your company, things happen, right? So it's your job to chase them until they tell you stop. So in this particular case, we were saying, look, we have other law firms where we have a, a program for four months. There is a nurturing program from email to SMS to phone calls. And this means that you're going to find XYZ in revenue that, that wasn't there before. And they weren't a believer as, as most are not. I usually have a problem with this too, Tyler, because typically the marketing person in charge feels like, whoa, you're you're coming here. You're going to make me look bad, you know. <laughs> and we're like, no, we're we're trying to work collaboratively. We're going to make you look like a superstar. You might have been doing okay. We're trying to get you to great. And so, to answer your question, for anyone that that is actually generating leads on their website or to their call center, look at the nurturing. How is that structured for your industry? You may think you know. But go look at your own industry associations and talk to people and find out how long do you chase these customers for and how do you nurture them, right? Right. I love it. You know, uh, you get pretty fired up when I start. Well, you get fired up about everything. But in particular, when we start talking about leads and stuff, you just like, <laughs> you're like ready to go. I love it, man. I mean, uh, leads type me too. But I, I just love your energy and passion for it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, hey, I got a couple more questions before we wrap up. I always love to ask if you can give us a business or life tip that we could apply and hopefully make our lives better. Anything come to mind? Yeah. I mean, there's so many, right? Like (laughs) all us entrepreneurs, we have so many. I I would say like in life in general, communication, right? Whether it's my kids, my wife, my employees, whoever, I would say my key to successful relationships, which lead to successful everything else 
is communication. I don't run away from anything. If a client has a problem, I pick up the phone and that's it. I'm not afraid. They're going to yell at me. No problem. Let's fix it and move on. I've always taught my kids that just like, look, you're going to make mistakes. It's inevitable. And more often than not, they're accidentally. So you just need to apologize, say, I'm going to fix it and move on, not harp on it, but never hide from that. So communicate with people, even if it's a Saturday or Sunday and somebody's calling you with a fire, don't go, Ooh, I'm going to pass it off to somebody else. No, I'm going to pick up the phone and say, hey, what, what's going on? What happened? So I think communication in general for life, but, but um, for business, I would say confidence, building your confidence, showing up every time. I think you know, whether it's a, a meeting or to an employee or to an investor, whatever, if you're not feeling confident, it's probably because you didn't do your homework. And, and I, I still feel that way today, Tyler. Yeah, yeah. If I show up here on your show, on the Think With Tyler show, and I'm feeling a little nervous or something, or it's a speaking engagement or a meeting, I have that feeling that, wait a minute, why am I feeling that way? It's probably because I didn't do my homework, which right. leads to a lack of confidence. And people see through that. Your employees see through that. Your customers see through that. So when I do a presentation for a potential client, a new client, I really do my homework so that they can feel that confidence and that passion too. So they know that this is not bullshit. It's going to be how I work every single day with you. And that's it. And then people, you know, people can see through that. So I would say, yeah, build up your confidence and, and work on communication. Yeah, th those are both great ones. I'll, I'll tell you that hits home. Anytime you're not prepared going into a client meeting or, you know, lot, anything in life, really, that confidence, it's hard to have that edge if you're not fully, uh, fully prepared for the meeting. That's true. Yeah. So, hey, I'll put these in the show notes under thinktyler.com. Your website is dadpreneur.com. That's dadpreneur.com. Your book, which is excellent, and I'll be sure to put it the Amazon link in there. If you build it, will they come? I love that. I almost want to mess up the words every time and flip it around, but I love it. <laughs> if you build it, will they come? Great book. So good job on doing that. Thank you. Hey, man, is there anything else, by the way, before I close out here, anywhere else if people want to reach out or talk to you, you'd like them to go? No, I always, you know, lately anyways, with all my appearances in the in the world of like social and everything, I tell people my best advice for you trying to grow your personal brand, which most of the entrepreneurs that are listening to your show today want to build their personal brand. Don't tell people to go, go connect with you on LinkedIn or Facebook or TikTok or wherever. Go connect with you on your website. It's with your website. So that, that's my best marketing tip for your personal brand. Bring people to your website. So you could have that conversation one-on-one -on -one without some algorithm or you know being disruptive. You want people to have the experience that you built, not the one that some platform built. You still need to be there too, but I'd rather start and end every interaction on my website. Love it. That's a great tip. Okay, man. Hey, Alex, it was awesome to have you on the show. You're a great guest. I hope you would be kind enough to come back in the future and have do another show with us. Thank you so much, man. For sure. And you too, you're doing a great job. I mean, really, thank you. Okay, take care. That's all for this episode of Think Business with Tyler. But we have plenty more resources to help you in your pursuit of business excellence on our website at thinktyler.com. If you'd like to be featured in a future episode of the show, feel free to reach out to us on social media at think underscore Tyler. We look forward to helping you think life, think success, and think business.
Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Electric acid. Electric acid. Electric acid.